Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and this is Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. Well, we begin a brand new series today called Wisdom Matters. So let's turn in our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 to 7, as Dr. Newfeld brings us a message titled, Skill in Living. I came to Christ at the age of 18. You know, I was one year out of high school, and the Holy Spirit gloriously found me in my sin, had compassion on me, and drew me to the cross of Christ. My heart was transformed, and I believed in Christ. You know, at that time, I was managing a restaurant. Yeah, I was 18 years old. I was hiring staff and ordering food from suppliers and learning the art of business. And because of my newfound faith in Christ, I had become convinced that before I could move on in life, I needed to learn my faith. And so I I quit my promising job and I enrolled in what in those days was called Bible school. You know, the Bible school I went to had a mantra. Universities and trade schools, they said, will teach you how to make a living. We will teach you how to make a life. And I was interested. Of course, what I then could not see was that God would interrupt my plans on making a living. All I could then project for my future was to spend two years learning how to make a life and then on the basis of that, get back to making a living. And as far as I was concerned, I had two choices. I could take over the family farm or I could get into business. Pick one, I was convinced I would succeed. I didn't know then that the task of making a life would be all-consuming. Eventually, I would receive a call to pastoral ministry and that would change all of my future plans. I wasn't a natural reader and study didn't come easily, but slowly I learned and slowly a new direction for my life began to take shape. But I was still intrigued by the thought that universities and trade schools and technical institutes, well, they'll teach you the skill of making a living, but that the knowledge of the Bible, the knowledge of the fear of the Lord will teach you how to make a life. Consider some well-known examples. I mean, study after study has shown that lottery winners, the vast majority of them, are flat broke in five years. It's been said of American professional football players that a great many of them, after having played in a league, the NFL, a league that pays obscene salaries, find that only in a few short years after their playing days are done, that all that vast money is gone. Those skillful players will never have the opportunity to ever make that kind of money again. That opportunity came once, and if squandered, it would leave nothing but regret. For a brief period of time, they had made a living beyond the wildest dreams of almost anyone else in the human race. But they didn't know how to make a life, and that's a waste. Indeed, this is what wisdom is. It's the ability to make a life. Or as one Bible teacher put it, wisdom is skill in living. And that's where the book of Proverbs comes in. Proverbs was written to train people how to be successful in the major areas of human activity. That includes business and work, personal relationships, love, family life, money and investments, ability to watch over what you say, how to relate to your nation, how to live life well in the wider community. See, the primary purpose of Proverbs is to teach young people who are just starting out in life. They need to make major decisions in which they learn to avoid those things that bring ruin and disaster and to achieve success. They need to develop right attitudes. They need to form positive lifetime friendships. They need to know how to handle the the power of their sexual urges. And they need, above all, 
to learn how to relate to their God, their Creator. And if they do not learn those things, their lives will end up in regret. And so primarily, Proverbs is a book written to the young. And if you're older, that book can still have a great deal of benefit to you as well. Anyone who has the power of the Holy Spirit active in his or her life is going to find that power is given to act upon wisdom. Even though you have made decisions that have brought you pain, wisdom coupled by divine power can change your life at the age of 30 or 50 or 70 or 90. Indeed, since there are 31 chapters in this book, I know a great many people who have for several years read through this book every month, one chapter a day for years. And they do that because wisdom isn't learned by, you know, one quick read through this book. Wisdom, as Proverbs teaches, needs to be sought and pursued and desired more than men and women seek after silver or gold. Indeed, Proverbs counsels that if wisdom costs you every last penny that you have, you'll find that it's the best investment you ever made. Indeed, Proverbs 4 verse 7 says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And then in the next verse, prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. So that's the beginning of a short two-week series entitled Wisdom Matters, in which we'll do a brief survey of the first nine chapters of this book. The book begins with a brief introduction. That's Proverbs 1, 1 to 7. That's what I'm going to discuss today. And then the first nine chapters contain an appeal that you think of wisdom as the most precious thing that you can attain. And for the rest of the book, that is, from Proverbs chapter 10 all the way to the end of the book, it contains a series of Proverbs, of sayings of the wise. A great many of them are one-sentence-long sayings, things that should stick in your head and be applied when faced with the issues of life. You know, for today, I want to read the first seven verses of this book on wisdom. And the first verse simply introduces us to the author. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Solomon, the man who asked God for wisdom over political power and riches, now at an older time in his life, is ready to share what he has learned. So verses 2 to 7 gives us the goal of the entire book. It says, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness, justice and equity to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and one who understands gain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You know, when the book of Proverbs begins with the words to know, it means to become conscious of or to become aware of wisdom. Know that it's out there. You see, you can't become a wise person. You don't gain the skill to live life well until you realize that wisdom is a field of study that you need to master. It's as much a field of study as well, physics or mathematics or business administration. So think of it this way. What if you saw successful people all around you and you weren't aware of the need of mastering the skill of you know, reading and writing? What if you weren't aware that many successful people had developed a particular field of training in which they gained expertise in a given field? I mean, perhaps they got an, you know, an MBA or you know, a degree in engineering or they had trained in a trade. What if you had no idea of all the skills successful people had developed? What then? 
Well, you might envy successful people, and you might even be angry that you weren't as lucky as they were. And you might spend your entire life ignorant of what is the pathway to their success. And using that as an analogy, think now of people whose lives have turned out well. You know, their marriages are solid. They have relationships that are healthy. They've learned habits that are productive, so forth. Now imagine a person envying that. Why can't I have that? Not realizing that was attained through wisdom. You have to become aware of wisdom if you are to gain wisdom, even as you have to become aware of literacy in order to gain the ability to benefit from reading. And this leads me to reflect on the nature, well, of North American culture. You have every form of education and knowledge available, but where do you go to school to learn the skill of living well? Who trains you how to make a life? Where do you get the classes on the dangers of folly, the skill of industry, and the treasure of handling your sexuality well? Indeed, let me say this. No university that I am aware of teaches wisdom or how to live life successfully. I mean, consider the following example. Our universities are full of counsel about, well, sexuality. No one has the right to tell you who to love, they say. You need to discover and explore your sexuality, they say. We need to get rid of the haters who won't let you to do that, they say. Well, fine and well. But who has done a lifetime or a longitudinal study as to how people's lives end out when they choose to make the sexual choices that they make? How well did their lives when they are 50, 60, and 70 and beyond? How did they turn out? Are they deeply content or are they not? What do we make of the fact that some sexual choices leave one more prone to depression and suicide and lacking meaning? And how do our choices determine the kind of relationships we form and the kind of morality that we will develop? I know to talk that way in some circles is sheer heresy, but Proverbs is about living with skill so that you don't end your years with a meaningless sigh, but rather end having known that you've lived well. Back to the Bible Canada's mission is to provide Bible teaching you can trust in every medium possible to break down any barriers from spending time in God's Word. So check out all the Bible resources available online, video, print, radio, podcast, and CD. And it's our prayer that anybody who tunes in finds encouragement in their spiritual journey. We want to guide you back to your Bibles. All of this is made possible through the faithful support of our listeners. If you would like to make a financial contribution to this ministry, or even consider blessing us with a reoccurring monthly gift to help propel the Word of God across Canada and beyond, just call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebiblecanada.ca. And thanks so much for your support. The book of Proverbs seems so contemporary when it begins with the words to know wisdom or, or here's a book that if you read it, you'll become aware of something that you may never have known actually existed. It's called wisdom. It will train you to live with skill, to live well. But of course, it's not enough. According to Proverbs 1 verse 2, we need not only to become aware of wisdom as a field of endeavor, 
We need to also understand words of insight. You know, we gain the ability to comprehend what's being said. Words need to penetrate into our consciousness. We need to grasp what's being taught. If it's over your head, if you don't understand, if it's in one ear and out the other, it's like water off a duck's back. If it's not integrated into your life, then a course on wisdom is meaningless. But here's the promise. The book of Proverbs will not only introduce you to the discovery of wisdom, it will be presented in such a way that if you pay attention, you really will understand. The book of Proverbs has several goals, things it seeks to accomplish, things it promises if you read the book. The first is that you'll become aware of a field of study called wisdom. The second aim of the book is to give people instruction in wise dealing. You know, human life is made up of a series of transactions, or as this book calls it, dealings. Whether you have transaction with the school you attend or, you know, the bank regarding a loan or the friends you hang out with or the person you marry, all of life is about dealings. And what Proverbs promises is that when you learn its principles, you can bring righteousness, that is, doing the morally right thing, and justice, that is, acting so that all people involved are treated fairly, and equity, that is, that all people in your transactions are benefited. All transactions in life can have these matters in them. And the third goal in this book is that it will produce prudence in the simple. And the word prudence is sometimes translated as shrewdness or even perceptiveness or farsightedness. You see, the prudent person has an unusual level of insight into things. So the book of Proverbs promises that if a simple person studies and applies this book, he or she will gain a depth of insight into all of life's transactions. So to be simple doesn't mean you have a low IQ. You know, simple means to be inexperienced. Let me suggest an example. I'm reading 1 Chronicles 22, verse 5, and it says, For David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced. And the house that is to be built must be exceedingly magnificent of fame and glory throughout all lands. I will therefore make preparations for it. So David provided materials in great quantity before his death. See, David knew that in order for Solomon to build the temple, he'd have to make deals with foreign kings. He'd have to enter into negotiations, hire craftsmen, work with architects on plans, acquire materials, and still have enough resources for the welfare of the kingdom, and yet Solomon had no experience in a lot of those matters. That's what Proverbs promises us. To those inexperienced in understanding the complexities of life and relationships, Proverbs will provide the insight that you're now lacking. Now, that's already an impressive list. Proverbs will make you aware of a field of knowledge called wisdom. It will provide you with wisdom in all human transactions. It will provide you the necessary experience that you now lack. And that's quite a promise. I hope you're interested. Now, of course, not everyone is inexperienced. And so Solomon also makes an offer to those on the other end of the spectrum. Look at verse 5. Let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands to obtain guidance. Here now is the invitation to those who have made great strides in wisdom. It's the statement that no one has arrived. The wise know with certainty that there's so much more to learn, so many skillful ways of living that are still to be explored. And to them, Solomon also makes a promise. If you pay attention to this book, you'll greatly expand your well of wisdom. The book will provide new areas of guidance. You'll still have to learn. You'll never outgrow this book. 
Verse 6 simply reinforces what one will find. Proverbs sayings, words to the wise and their riddles. The book introduces the student of wisdom to short sayings, all meant to reinforce wisdom. In a way, the first six verses simply invite one to consider the advantages of taking this book very seriously. But something has yet to be said, and that's found in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, I'm going to turn this verse upside down and, and have us consider the second half first. It says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's hard to read Proverbs and not notice how often that person who is the fool is depicted. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of a fool. I mean, perhaps you think of a person who's, you know, kind of a clown or a joker. It's not what Proverbs has in mind. Perhaps you think of a person who lacks intellect. But the more you read Proverbs, the more you might become aware that a fool can be someone who's a leader, who has keen intellect, who seems at least to the watching world to be anything but a fool. But how does Proverbs define the fool? Well, let's start with the description found in Proverbs 29, verse 9. If a wise man has an argument with a fool, the fool only rages and laughs, and there is no quiet. The fool is given to mocking. Indeed, there are two verses in Proverbs, and at first blush, you might wonder how both statements can be true, for they seem to be contradictory. Proverbs 26, verse 4 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. In other words, don't answer the fool. There's no positive advantage can come of it. You'll only end up being a fool yourself. And yet the very next verse says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Another way of saying that is, if you remain quiet before a fool, he thinks he's won the debate. So whether you speak with him or refuse to speak with him, he believes he's won the debate. You know, no good comes from a dialogue with a fool one way or the other. Now, why is that? Well, according to Proverbs, fools flaunt themselves. Fools despise instructions, but think of themselves as wise. A fool's always boasting about himself, lacks humility. Indeed, fools are known for two things. First, they're arrogant completely sure of themselves, and second, fools are ignorant. They don't even know what they don't know. And they, according to Proverbs 1 verse 7, despise wisdom and instruction. And contrast that with a person that is the man or woman who wants to become wise. According to Proverbs 1 verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The word beginning means the chief thing or the most important thing. Those wanting to gain wisdom start with the first piece of knowledge. If you want to become a wise man or woman, the very first order of business is that I begin to learn about God. And that tells us something about wisdom. The goal of Proverbs is not to teach us to live skillfully as the final goal. Indeed, skillful living is the outcome of the man or woman who actually knows God. The book of Proverbs will only make sense if you are also spending time in the rest of the Bible growing in the knowledge of God. Indeed, the idea that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, well, that's mirrored later on in Proverbs 9, verse 10. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And the difference between the two verses is subtle. You know, first, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and then the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You see, in essence, Proverbs ties those two concepts together. Our first knowledge, the the bedrock of all our knowledge base, needs to be grounded in God. The Bible's witness about God in both Testaments is our main concern. 
even though we may want to know how to make wise choices in life, that is not and never will be our first concern. Our concern is with the God who created us and ultimately the God who sent his son to be our redeemer and to make us children of God. Knowing God, finding delight in God, bowing the knee before our God, standing in his presence and being in awe of his majesty. Well, that's every Christian's very first concern. It's not how much money you're going to make. It's do I know God? And that is, as Proverbs reminds us, always the very first thing. No other matter can be as important as that. Settle on that first of all. And with that knowledge, we can learn humility and the recognition that, you know, I'm not God. You're not God either. That's pretty profound insight. And it's only when this forms the bedrock of all of our affections that we're ready to leave the life of the fool and take upon ourselves the humble attitude of the man or the woman who is known for their wisdom. So you want to live life skillfully. Let's begin a study in the book of Proverbs, which will simply teach us that wisdom exists as a field of knowledge. And regardless of what it costs, we should get wisdom. John, thanks so much for your message, and I look forward to the next couple of weeks. But let me ask you, I'm intrigued. Why is it that with all its importance to making life work, we don't actually or intentionally teach wisdom to our young people? Yeah, I, I, I find myself actually perplexed by even that question, why we shouldn't have thought that. I mean, wisdom is essential to everything that young people will do throughout their entire lives. Um, in fact, I was just having a conversation, interestingly enough, with a, with a young woman who said uh, that friends, and indeed she had uh, talked to people, it's a long story about from the, uh, from the ministry and the government, and uh, people from the ministry had said to her, just sleep with as many men as you possibly can and just go with the flow and see where that leads you. Um, you know, in the absence of wisdom, it's this rank foolishness that gets traded at, at every level of our culture, and it leads to such bad places, so many ruined lives. I mean, so many things in which people come to the end of their lives and groan. So, uh, Ben, I don't know the answer to the question. I know, however, we aren't teaching this and uh, that we are feeling the consequences. I mean, perhaps one reason is that, I mean, Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And perhaps no longer fearing God, we've allowed ourselves now to go to a place that we also do not need his wisdom. Thanks, John. And remember to join us again tomorrow as we continue our series, Wisdom Matters, right here on Back to the Bible Canada, Bible teaching you can trust. We often find ourselves consumed with never-ending to-do lists. Our feet and hands don't know how to be still, but God does not desire our productivity. He desires our heart. Back to the Bible Canada teaches the Bible, not just for information, but to nurture our relationship with God. We ought to know God, not simply know about God, but it takes intentional time to slow down and be with Him. To help you make this happen, Back to the Bible Canada and Dr. John have created a new 30-day devotional called Quiet Spaces, Volume 2. It's the next in the installment of the Quiet Spaces devotional. This devotional is free this month 
and all you need to do is ask. So call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca to request your copy today.